Good morning everyone, welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church. Whether you're part of uh, the church here or whether you're a visitor, we just want to give you a, a, just a, such a massive welcome today. Uh, we just want to give you a virtual hug and uh, say welcome, we're glad you're here. And I just hope and pray that you stay with us through to the end of the service today. We're going to do something different today. Uh, the message is only going to be uh, maybe 10 minutes or so. Um, but we've really tried to make room for a conversation between friends today. Uh, or at least that's what we've called it, a conversation between friends. Sam's and I uh, just having a conversation about some of the issues that are affecting uh, our nation just now and coming from uh, hopefully a, a biblical perspective, a church perspective. Um, just some of these issues around racism and, and the things that are uh, so uh, predominant in our, our media just now, predominant in our world and we just want to have a conversation about that. Um, and then just to, to briefly think about uh, what it means to sit around the table with people, that's that's in essence just a, a little devotional at the end from me uh, and so welcome to, to my kitchen table. Uh, so things are a bit different today, everything's stripped back, it doesn't make it any easier. Um, to do church online um, but we're just trying to kind of do something a bit different today to, to really speak into the situations that we're facing so uh, we're going to worship God first we're going to uh, pray and then we're just going to put Jesus on the throne where he uh, where he is we're going to just enthrone him in our praise this morning so let's let's pray and then we're going to praise Father we thank you we thank you for your love we thank you for your grace we thank you that you live within us Father we thank you that you're unchanging Father, no matter what's happening in our world, you remain unchanged, you remain constant, you remain uh, that continuous uh, force in our lives, Father, that force for good. Father, we read in your word that uh, God is love and Father, we, we know that the way that we express uh, ourselves through love is the thing which defines us as your disciples and so Father, I just pray for your church today that we would express the love of God. Father, I pray for the community or communities that we represent, Lord, that they would be uh, places where your love begins to just uh, seep out and, and infiltrate into uh, our communities, Father. And Lord, we just pray for this church, that you would use this church for your glory. And Father, use this church as an agent of change. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Let's praise him this morning.
Father, we thank you for your grace, which reaches out to us. Father, which shows us your heart, your heart of love for each one of us. And Father, we pray that we would be a people marked by love. Because Father, your word says that by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. And so Father, we just pray that that would be the hallmark of your church. Father, we pray for your church in these times. Father, that you would do something new in your church. Father, that you would cause the, there to be a resetting of the church. Father, a shaking off of the things which are non-essential, unimportant. And Father, that we would pick up the things which are on your heart. And Father, I believe the thing which is on your heart is people. Father, people who are lost. Father, people who need to have their chains broken off. Father, those who are uh, prisoners within their own homes. Father, to situations, to circumstances. Father, uh, perhaps through uh, relationships with others, abusive relationships, Father, things which are happening in uh, our community and the communities that we represent as a church. And Father, we pray that you begin to break out uh, through the walls of the church into the community. And Father, that your love would flow like a river into our community. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Um, just as we were singing that song, uh, it made me think of uh, Compass Camps uh, down at uh, Auchin Foyle, um, just with uh, Mrs Aitken and her husband and some of our young people from the academy. And I remember singing that song there. It's just such a, a strong memory which I have. And uh, if any of the, the ex-Compass guys are, are listening to the message today, I just want to uh, say how much I appreciate all the fun that we've had over the, the years, it's been great. And uh, just pray God's blessing on you. Uh, some of you guys are, are now in the church uh, and doing great things. So 
well done and, and keep going and keep encouraging others to do the same. I'm just going to uh, cut over uh, to a conversation that Sam's and I had uh, using Zoom. Um, we had a socially distanced chat in the Answer Garden earlier on uh, in the week and uh, we just kind of felt it would be good to share some of those thoughts with the congregation. Um, we are a congregation who uh, is open, accepting, loving. I hope that that's everybody's experience. We're not a congregation where uh, racism is, is part of uh, our makeup. And uh, we believe in love. We believe in a God of love. And we believe that God has uh, called us to show the world a different way, to model a different uh, way of living, a way of treating other people. And so I hope that this conversation is encouraging for you. So welcome to uh, just this little short uh, time with Sam's and I. I've entitled it A Conversation Between Friends because Sam's and I are friends. Um, and we've really grown uh, to know each other and grown quite close over the last number of years. And I really value uh, Sam's as a friend um, and as a, a fellow senior leader in the, the church. And so we, we, we just wanted to kind of get together tonight and have a little chat about um, just some of the stuff that's been going on since the 25th of May. And uh, we've all seen what's been happening in the news and in the media. And so Sam's, I just wanted to kind of uh, have a conversation and uh, really discuss some of these things. And maybe we can start off by asking you, how, how has this kind of impacted you? What's the effect has it had on you? Yeah. As a person, I tend to understand that um, we all different in a way because we brought up differently. Um, we come from different backgrounds, we come from uh, different cultures, and uh, it may at, time, at times be difficult for people to understand uh, a different culture or a different looking person, and this could create some kind of barrier to communication yeah. and all that. But me personally, I've mixed with a lot of people and I do understand that these uh, barriers could exist. So it's not really affected me as a person because I understand uh, where everybody comes from. And I've traveled a bit around the world and. I've met different cultures, Arabian, Chinese, uh, the Western culture, and of course, being born an African. So I know that there are differences, uh, but these differences we can do without. And I personally tend to enjoy the diversity rather than uh, it creating a barrier for me. Uh, interesting. Um, it's quite interesting just reflecting on this. Um, you, Sam's and I had a, a conversation on, uh, was it Tuesday? I think we had a conversation, Sam's out in the Answer Garden. Um, and since that, since we, we chatted around this, I was reflecting on my own time when I was in Japan. Just it was when you were mentioning that there, Sam's, it brought it back to mind. Um, uh, back in 1990, I spent almost a year in Japan working. So as a young man of 22 years old, and I remember just having this experience, you know, if, if, if ever I, I experienced any kind of racism that was there, and I wouldn't accuse the person of that, I have to say, but it was just one of those strange experiences where I, I walked into a department store, and as I do, I hold the door open for the person behind me, 
and it just so happened to be a young lady. She was probably a little bit younger than me. And uh, so I held the door open for her and she kind of grabbed the door handle and inadvertently touched my hand at the same time. And uh, I, I just, out the corner of my eye, I saw her actually uh, cleaning, like almost cleaning her hand on, on her jacket. And I was like, whoa, I actually had a shower this morning, you know. Uh, I'm quite honest. <laughs> um, but it's interesting, you know, just thinking about this whole kind of, uh, the, the stuff that we see in the media just now about racism and um, just interested to get your perspective on that, Sam. We're, we're going to just kind of talk about that. You know, one of the things that we were chatting about was, you know, uh, how we're made in God's image. I don't know if you wanted to share stuff around that, Sam. Thinking about yeah. Um, the way I say it is like this, taken from the scriptures, uh, if we look at uh, Genesis 1, verse 26, it does say that um, God said, let us make man in our image and likeness, and let, us, let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that are moving along the ground. From this, we can see that um, God didn't make us any different of himself. He made us in his own likeness. Mm -hmm. So, um, the question of color uh, comes from probably the location of where we are. If you are, you'll notice that most of the people in the, along the equator, across the world, be it in Australia, be it in Africa, we all dark-skinned a bit. And those on the outer sides, as you're moving up to the poles, you notice that there is a, a change in color. Some are a bit lighter and lighter and lighter. And when you get to places like Russia, they are quite light-skinned than even those in UK. So um, race and color, most often I think when God allowed this to happen, has to do with where you're going to be located, what you'll be doing as a career, and it gives all the color to deal with our weather and all that. So for me, uh, that's not what makes us human. Yeah. What makes us human is actually deeper than that, it's deeper than skin. The skin is like the cloth you're putting on. Uh, on, a, on a sunny day, you put on something light to reflect away the light and keep you cool. And in a cold weather, we put on dark clothes to keep us uh, warm and cozy. So I think that's, that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's how deep the skin color goes. Uh, if I am sick today and I need a, a bit of blood, it doesn't matter if it's a Chinese blood or British <laughs> blood or whatever, it all fits. That tells me that inside we're all the same. The skin is just, or the hair color, the eye color has to do with how much sunshine we allow into our eye because of where we are, the shape of our nose deals with how much air we need, mm -hmm. arid or dry, whatever shapes to suit wherever we fit in so yeah mm -hmm. as far as i'm concerned there is just one race and that yeah. will be human race yeah. every other thing is just about geography and stuff yeah i have to say i tend to agree with sam's um there seems to be this kind of uh, feeling these days that um that we have to acknowledge the fact that we're different um and i think there's a sense in which we all do that anyway because uh, we've chatted with a few people uh, just over the last wee while since uh, since we've been seeing all these things in our television sets and uh, 
and and really it was kind of a reflection one of my reflections just lately was how even as even as children we, we tend to uh and you know sometimes notice differences but it's not necessarily to do with the difference in the color of our skin it, it can be all sorts of things you know um and i agree that you know we are we all look different we come across different uh, even even within you know you know say say you're uh, you look like me, and there are other people who look like me. We're all different. If you look like you, and there are other people who look like you, we're all different. We're all individuals. I think you know. Um, so yeah, I would, I would, I would tend to agree that you know, uh, it's you know immaterial. There was a post on the church um, Facebook just uh, last Tuesday. We put it up. Um, and really, the we we looked at the life of uh, William Seymour, who was. Uh, the pastor in the church at Azusa Street that saw the incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit and, and just a massive revival there. And really our, our denomination, the Assemblies of God and other Pentecostal churches um, were born out of that movement. And, and William Seymour was a black person uh, living in America where segregation was still very much the norm. Um, and really the point we're trying to make as a church is that, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, the color of your skin doesn't matter. Um, it's the content of your heart that really matters because, you know, at the end of the day, we're created in God's image. And we're trying as Christians to reflect his likeness. Um, you know, I think it's quite interesting in the Bible that it says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And, and we are the, we, the church, the, the church is the image of the invisible God on earth. And so people, I think, should look at the church and they should see God, they should see Jesus, and they should see, uh, you know, the Bible says that God is love. And so in us, they should see love. And, the, you know, the Bible says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that comes from the heart, you know, um, regardless of what's, what's on the exterior. So, yeah, just we're, we're kind of reflecting on this verse in the Bible at the end of Revelation. I don't know if you want to read that out for us, Sam. It's just a, an amazing verse. Yeah, as uh, from Revelation uh, chapter 7 and verse 9, and it says like this After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe people and language standing before the throne and in the front of the lamb and they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands what fantastic verse this indeed. Uh, it's just a, a picture of heaven and it's multicultural multiracial multicolored that's just I, I just Look at that verse, and I don't know what effect does that have on you, Sam's, as you read a verse like that. It tells me that uh, God does not uh, segregate uh, based on <laughs> racial uh, differences or um, color of uh, the skin or hair or tongue or whatever. It says every tribe, every nation, every people. Yeah. That means there's a representation across the world uh, being there at the throne of God. That's a beautiful image. If we as humans decide to start putting, um, making our differences 
to make us to hate rather than love, to make us to enjoy the, 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 the vibrancy of uh, diversity rather than coming together as one, then that has no place yeah. in the church. It doesn't have a place in humanity. And when we see such, when we are able to, we can stand against such injustice and say, look, this shouldn't be. It is not to say that every occasion you see, you must rise up as a Christian and with your placard and blazing down uh, hail and brimstone against whoever. But what I'm trying to say here is that um, diversity should be celebrated. It's not something that should create division and hatred. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. something that should be enjoyed as Christians. When we meet, we can learn from each other's culture. We can enjoy the vibrancy of colors that comes with uh, different cultures and races. And even the different color of skin makes it. I like colors. I like, uh, why, do, why do we enjoy the, the sight of a rainbow? It's because of the mixture of colors. Yeah. Why can't we do that with what we have on our skin, be it someone from Africa, Asia, or Europe, or mm -hmm. wherever? Just enjoy the humanity and forget this distinction of uh, this person is less than equal or something. Because yeah. it's no. We are all made equal before God. We are mm. all made in the image and likeness of God Almighty. And who are we to begin to say this person is less than that person? Yeah, totally. The whole thing that you're saying about colour there, Sam's, you know, I, I just, I, I picture in my mind some of the Sunday mornings where you guys and others come in uh, with the, the multicoloured robes. Um, and I just think it's wonderful, you know. I, I look at our church, a local church uh, in Whitburn uh, yeah. here, I, I kind of think we are a church that's very open uh, to, to everyone, uh, regardless of skin colour, to be honest, I, I, I don't even think about things like that, if I'm being honest. Um, but even even uh, if people are from different kind of cultural backgrounds or social sort of economic backgrounds, all these types of things, you know, but I think we, we're a church who's open and I think we should be a church who's open to, to every person because I, I think, you know, going back to that scripture um, at the start there about Genesis, we're all created in the image of God. Therefore, there's a sense in which we all have an inherent dignity and, and worth. I mean, at the end of the day, Jesus came to this earth mm -hmm. to die for us. So yes. there must be something of value in the human race if he came to die for us. Um, but yeah, I just I was thinking, Sam's, about uh, you know uh, um, the dedication of your, your youngest just not so very long ago in the life of the church. And I just, it was such a wonderful picture for me. I got somebody to take photographs for me and uh, invited uh, you and your family and friends up to the, the platform. I actually had to step off the platform because there was no room. Um, and just the, the diversity there. And then there was the, the party afterwards in Answer House and the, the different music, the food, the, the dress, the dancing. And I, I found the whole thing so wonderful. I found it very moving, actually. You know, so when you and uh, Mary were up dancing, uh, that just really moved me uh, as I watched that. It was just, it was wonderful to be part of that. And I, I was really grateful 
uh, that day to kind of sharing your culture a wee bit and it was just wonderful but you know from your perspective um yeah. if you could talk about Whitburn Pentecostal Church you know how would you feel as, as a black person in, in our church you know your church it's not it's not mine it's not yours it's <laughs> our church it's his yeah. church really, isn't it but uh, what can I say I don't feel any different at all yeah. when I step in there all I feel is around from everybody, from the door. I think if there's anybody that gets love there, I think I get it more, I will say. Because <laughs> I come in from the door, I get the hug, I get the kisses, I go about like a, like a champion, everybody waving and saying hello. And for me, I will say it now and will always say that I've never felt any form of discrimination mm. within the Whitburn Pentecostal Church, not from anybody. Yeah, because no. all I feel there is absolute love. Uh, I've yeah. enjoyed fellowship within the church and outside the church. And I've met people on the streets. I've met people within my workplace. And it's all same feeling so it's not like they're doing it because we're in public within the church it goes even outside the four walls of the physical building the church it goes everywhere mm. so i feel completely at home in winbot pentecostal church and i'm proud to be part of such an assembly of believers who have no reservation in showing how they feel towards me which is the love of god yeah, it's humbling, Stevie. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. I've had people trying to say there's discrimination, there's uh, uh, racial discrimination here and there. But personally, I've not smelt it within the church. I don't feel it at all. Mm -hmm. I feel accepted. I feel loved. I feel as um, one of the people within the church. Mm -hmm. I'm using the wrong words, using the word feel. I am right. <laughs> part of the church and there's no iota of discrimination felt at all, mm -hmm. I would say. Interesting, yeah, that's good. I'm really pleased to hear that, Sams. I mean, I knew that anyway, um, because we've chatted uh, on many an occasion about all sorts of things. Um, so, so it's not a surprise to me, and I'm glad that it's you that's saying that, and not me, because you know that 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 would certainly be my approach. Is that the you know there's no room for these types of things uh, in, in the church, because as I quoted earlier, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. You know, and uh, you know, remember we just kind of close things off, uh, Sam's. But I was thinking. Uh, during the week, I, I recorded on video a little uh, end-of-term talk for the kids at Whitdale. And I was reflecting on kind of three things which Jesus said, which were important. Um, the, the first one was to treat other people as you would have them treat you. We would call that the golden rule. I just think that's so important that we treat other people the way that we would want to be treated. Um, and, and, you know, Jesus was quizzed on you know, 630-odd uh, commands, and he was quizzed on which he felt was the most important. And the first one he said was to, to love God with all your heart, yeah. all strength and mind. The second was like it, to it's love like your neighbor it. and yourself. So we need to be able to love ourselves, 
but we need to love our neighbour uh, the same way. I don't know if just as we kind of round things up, Sam's, if you kind of feel about these things as well. Yeah. Um, the second commandment was like the first one. Uh, if we're unable to love God, then we fail woefully because the reason for our creation is to worship God. And yeah. you can't worship what you do not love. Mm -hmm. uh, most people, what they worship becomes their God. We've yeah. done a series on that before. Yeah. The, next, the second one is like, a, first, you need to love yourself. Mm -hmm. you, you need to be intentional about loving yourself. You need to take care of your physical body. You need to nurture yourself spiritually as well. You need to imbibe God into yourself. Yeah. And then the, the instruction does not end yet just to love ourselves, but to love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. Who is your neighbor? The person next door to you, the person you're meeting on the street. It talks about the uh, good Samaritan on his way going to Jerusalem and meeting this guy who has been robbed and is on the floor. He never knew him from anywhere. You would have expected the priests and all that to help him. The priests passed by, Pharisee passed. This person who is the Samaritan in the den is well considered as somebody who is, came in and he was the one that showed the love. Mm -hmm. Took this guy, put him on his donkey and took him through. What am I trying to say here? We should be completely out to love one another just like we are instructed to do. As believers, race of uh, racial discrimination does not have a place in our lives. Yeah. We are to be committed wholeheartedly to deliberate love for our neighbor. There is no excuse at all. Mm -hmm. uh, as Christians, I don't think we should condone racial discrimination. What we should do is enjoy the diversity that comes with the differences we have in hair type, eye color, skin color, doesn't matter. But if there's anything at all that should be different, it's just to enjoy it because it is there to be enjoyed. Amen. Totally agree with you, Sams. Totally agree. So we're on the same page. Um, I hope that our congregation who are tuned in and you know anybody else who's tuned into this uh, broadcast as it goes out and even maybe people tuning into it afterwards. I hope that it encourages people. I hope that it blesses people. I hope that it gives people a picture of, uh, in our view, yours and mine, Sam's, what the church should be like. Uh, just with that, you know, the vibrancy of, of, of difference, but the fact that we're all united around one thing, and that is that Jesus died for us, and that he loves us, and that he has come to forgive us and to, to make a way uh, back to the Father, you know, because the one thing that we all have in common is is that we've all messed up, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standard. You know, the, the Bible says this. In fact, Romans three twenty three uh, starts in the middle of a sentence that says, "For all have sinned," but we we missed the bit at the start. We missed the start of the sentence. It says, "There's no difference." You know, there's a sense of which we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners in need of a savior. So. Um, maybe Sam's. What would you say to somebody who uh, has never committed their life to, to Christ? What would you say to that person today? 
and plead with you in the name of the Lord Jesus to give your life to Christ. I'm a living testimony. God has always blessed me. He never promised that you won't have trouble. Yeah. But what he did promise is that he will carry you through. He says, even though you walk through the water, you will not drown. Mm-hmm. If you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. Jesus made one promise. He says, Lo, I am with you always. So when you give your life to Christ, you have the peace that surpasses all understanding. You will have a joyful heart. You may come and face some trials and temptations and all that, like every other human. Yeah. But because Christ is in you, you will be rest assured that there's no issue that comes to you that you don't stand above. Give your life to Christ. It will not only give you peace and joy in your life on earth. Another promise is that you have an eternity. This eternity is eternity of joyful relationship with God forever and ever and ever, a time without end. Um, The flip side of it is something I don't like to talk about, but which needs to be heard. If you don't give your life to God, what happens is there's a life that will come. Uh, it describes it as a place that burns with fire and brimstone, and this light, this burning, never comes to an end. Mm-hmm. It's a place of torture. And that's not where I will wish my worst enemy, if at all I have one, because I don't, to be. So. If you're hearing this message and you've not given your life to Christ, I plead with you in the name of God to rethink about your life, to take time to look into these truths, to search within your conscience and reconsider where you stand and see that it is worth giving your life to Christ because he's the Prince of Peace. He will bring you joy. You bring you peace in your heart, and of course, you'll be blessed in eternity. Amen. Thank you, Sam's. Maybe just as we finish off, Sam's, I'd love it if you could pray uh, for the congregation and maybe pray for anyone who's joining us today. We know that we're doing church online, everyone's welcome, and we do yeah. have a lot of people who join us, so maybe you can just pray for us today, Sam's. Okay. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this conversation that we've had. I pray that it is an eye-opener to people to understand that in your kingdom, we are all one. There is no division. There is no discrimination. Uh, Diversity, yes, but it should be something we should enjoy as Christians. Mm. So I pray for your people tonight, Lord, that you touch them, let them have your peace. Let your love be found in their hearts. Those who need a touch of love from you, Lord, reach out right now to them. I pray for those who are yet to give their lives to you, Lord. I pray that you touch their hearts. Because, Jesus, you came of your own will, and you died on the cross of Calvary to bring salvation to all men. And your instruction simply is this. 
whosoever believeth on your name, that will be saved. Amen. So we know you're willing to save. Touch hearts, O Lord, even as they hear our words over the media this time, to give their lives over to you, because that's your desire for all men. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for opportunities like this. We just bless your name. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Shams. Um, we entitled this a conversation between friends. Um, I hope that you've picked up from the mode of our conversation tonight, uh, today that we are friends. And uh, yeah, just um, have a great rest of the day, Shams. Lord bless you. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Stevie. And we'll catch up with you later on, okay? Lord bless you. Bless you. Bye, Bye for now. Bye. I hope you found that conversation an encouragement. I hope that conversation gave the people in our congregation an insight into how we think as leaders, um, into what's important for us as leaders. Um, and I hope that it models and demonstrates the type of friendship that we should have and should experience in church. Um, and today, I just wanted to close off today by spending a few moments uh, reflecting on um, what it means to come round a table. Um, and so you're sitting with me, albeit virtually, at my table today. And why, why share this? Um, I really felt last week when Jamie was sharing that word with us, I hadn't spoken to Jamie um, at all about what to share. I haven't spoken to Jamie for a while about the things that I've been uh, sharing in church. Um, and so it was really interesting that he touched on some things which I have been sharing in the life of the church. And specifically from that passage, um, because I feel that the, the, the word which I shared from Luke chapter 5 is, what's, is such an important word in the life of the church. Three decisions uh, that determine our direction was the message. I don't know if you remember that message. And the three things which I saw in Luke chapter 5 was to wash the nets, to repair the nets, and to launch out into the deep. And I want to just reflect for a few moments on this whole thing about washing the nets. And Jamie touched on that. And he touched on the need to repent. He touched on the need for us to change, to, to turn around, to turn and, and do something different, to think different, to act different, to speak different. The Bible talks about being transformed through the renewing of your mind. You see, God interacts with us at a spiritual level. God is a spirit. God is not a person. He's he the whole we, we live in a, a material universe. We are made up made up of, of uh, all sorts of atoms and you know I, I don't know the science, I'm not a scientist, but we, we're made up of matter. And because we're made of matter, we matter. Every person matters. You know. But but God is a spirit. And he's put a spirit within us, and it's through that spirit that he communicates. And out of the spirit become, comes this transforming, this renewing of the mind so that we think differently, and we speak differently, and we act differently. Jesus told us that it's not just good enough to love your neighbour, you need to love your enemy as well. And so when we think about 
the table, we think about a place of connection. We think about a place of love. You know, I put a message up on the church Facebook and my own Facebook uh, just at the tail end of this week. Um, a message by John Ortberg, which we'll go into far more detail, and he says it so eloquently. But to, to quote him, and I, I heard this message many years ago, he says, when I think about love, I think about a table. And when I think about love, I think about a table. And that's why I found it such a moving uh, message. When I think about the people that I've sat around our tables over the years, when I think about love, I think about a table. I think about the young people who've sat around our table. I think about the connect groups that have sat around our table. I think about the visitors and guests, young and old, that have sat around our table. You know, the table that I'm sitting at just now is our latest so a table that we've purchased. We've had a few tables over the years. I remember we got one through George and Jean, uh, second-hand, free. It was bigger than the table we had, and we thought, yes, we can get more people around our table. This table, you know, this is a quite an expensive table that I'm sitting at, uh, expensive chairs. Um, but we got it for a fraction of the cost from a couple in, in Paisley. Why? Why talk about a table? Why invest in a table? Why spend money on a table? Because... The table is a place of connection. The, the table is a place of love. And the, the table is a place of acceptance. It's a place of forgiveness. It's a place of grace. It's a place of fellowship. It's a place to talk. It's a place where we can share. It's a place where everyone has a place. I'm not sitting in my usual seat at the table today. That's just so that the, the window which is uh, behind the camera uh, is in front of my face so that the light's better. But my normal seat is, is just over here. My seat at the table. Everybody has a seat at this table. Everybody belongs, everybody's accepted at this table. And I think about the open house days that we've had in the church where everybody has been invited to our table. Everyone in the church has been invited to our table. We've not necessarily all sat around one table. <laughs> There's no way we can get the whole church around one table. But we've invited the church to join us uh, summer after summer for our open house days, a time where we can come together as church and sit around a table, a place where everybody has a place, a place of connection, a place of love, a place of forgiveness, a place of acceptance, a place where everybody has a place. And let me just say that in my view, everybody has a place in our church. Everybody has a place. Everybody has a seat at the table. The first mention of a table in the Bible is actually in the book of Genesis and it involves a man called Joseph. Joseph, if you know, is the, the guy with the, the multicoloured coat, the guy who had the dreams and God gave him his dreams and in the dream what the interpretation was that his brothers would come and bow before him and his mum and dad would bow before him and you know they, they just reacted so badly to it and they sold him off, off as a slave into Egypt. He was put to work in Potiphar's house. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of being indecent towards her, which he wasn't. And then he was thrown in prison. And then he was forgotten about in prison. And he interpreted a couple of dreams, uh, some of the guys that were in the prison with him. And it was two years even after that before eventually he got his chance to come out of prison and to really enter into the plan that God had for him. But it's interesting when we think about a table, we think about this table, Joseph's table, after he had become Prime Minister of Egypt. 
and after the famine had came, there'd been seven years uh, where um, there was uh, such an abundance uh, of crops and livestock and all that. And then there were seven years where the, a famine hit that area for seven years. And his brothers, they came down to Egypt to buy grain because they'd heard that there was grain in Egypt. And when Joseph realised that it was his brothers, he invited them in to sit at his table. The brothers who had betrayed him, the brothers who had mistreated him, the brothers who had sold him into slavery. And he invited them in to sit at his table. And it says in Genesis chapter 43, verse 33 and 34, the men uh, had been seated before him in the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. How does this guy know? How to get us seated at the table? How does he know that I'm the oldest? How does he know that you're the youngest? And when portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion, this was Benjamin's sort of blood brother, they shared the same mother. Uh, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. And so they feasted and drank freely with him. Joseph invited them to his table. Joseph invited his brothers to his table. Eventually we read that the whole family came down. And it just kind of made me think about that Psalm, Psalm 23, where, where David talks about, you, you, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I think of Esther, who invited people to her table, the king and his second in command, uh, a guy called Haman, who was out to, he was plotting to kill the Jews. And she actually invited this man to her table twice. David sat at the table of Saul and such was Saul's anger about David that he picked up a javelin and threw it at him and it narrowly missed David and went into the wall. I think of Jesus who sat at the table with Judas at that last supper. Judas who would betray him. He sat down at the table with those who would betray him. And so I see in Joseph's table, I see in David's table, and I see in Jesus' table a place of grace. A place of acceptance, a place of love. Even in Joseph's story, when Joseph's dad died, the brother's uh, dad died, they were in fear for what Joseph might do to them because the dad had died. But what Joseph said was incredible. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what has been uh, now been done, the saving of many lives. You read that in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Joseph loved his brothers. When Joseph saw his brothers, it says that he went away and he wept. And he had to compose himself and then come back to the table. Why? Because the table is a place of love. It's a place of acceptance. It's a place of forgiveness. It's a place of grace. It's a place of connection. It's a place of fellowship, a place to talk, a place where our voice can be heard. Jesus was criticised by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law for sitting at a table with sinners and tax collectors. It says in that passage in Luke chapter 15 that Jesus was the host. Jesus had invited these people to his table. What that looked like, I have no idea. Maybe he had borrowed a table from his mum or something like that. Maybe he'd invited them home to, to his house. I don't know what the story is, the backstory. I don't know enough about the information, but... What's important is that he invited these people to his table. Why? Because Jesus wanted to connect with the sinners 
and the tax collectors. Why? Because God loves people. And it made me think about the communion table. The communion table where Jesus sat with his disciples, Judas being one of them. We read these words in Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through to 30. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it. And gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sat at the table with his disciples. He sat at the table even with a man called Judas, who he knew was going to betray him. And, you know, just as we kind of round things off here, I'm really kind of running out of time today. I just want us to remember that this table is a place of connection. The table that the disciples sat at was a place of connection. And I was thinking about something that Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in a book called Life Together when he talked about coming to the table, coming to that table that we remember these days, a different kind of table, a communion table. And we need to come to that communion table with our hearts right before God and with our hearts right before other people, our brothers and our sisters. And when it says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verses 27 through to 32, uh, about the table, it, it says that we need to examine ourselves. We need to look at our own heart. And uh, Bonhoeffer said this, he says, the day before the Lord's Supper, that's another uh, name for communion, the day before the Lord's Supper together will find the members of a Christian community with one another, each asking of the other forgiveness for wrongs committed. And listen to this, he says, anyone who avoids this path to another believer cannot go to the table of the Lord well prepared. I started this message by reminding us of the message from Luke 5, which was reiterated by Jamie about the need for us to repent, the need for us to change, for us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need to allow God to speak into the very core of our being. And this is a word specifically for our church today, for Whitburn Pentecostal Church, that God is saying something to this church and we need to put it into practice. We need, if there are areas of our lives where we are not right with other people, we need to get it sorted out. We can't come to the table without it being sorted out. And there's a sense in which as we come uh, out of lockdown, as we ease lockdown, I had all these ideas about what we would do when we could get all back, when we could all get back together and it was going to be all singing, all dancing, uh, all this kind of stuff. But it's not looking like that right away because in the next phase, churches will be open for private prayer. And one of the things I wanted to do as a church is to create space at the table for every family to come and to share communion and to share that depth, that deep fellowship together. 
And so that's one of the things that we've talked about as leaders that we want to do is just to open up the church building. It will need to be in an organised way. It can't just be turn up when you feel like it because of all the restrictions. We need to organise that. But let's not miss the heart. The heart of this is sitting around a table. The heart of this is fellowship. The table is a place of connection. Connection between brother, brother, sister and sister, brother and sister. It's a place of connection. It's a place where we connect with each other and a place where we connect with God. And we need to have our hearts right as we do that. And so I would encourage us to take four steps as we think about this. As we think about coming to the table that we take four steps. The first one is to be still before God. Psalm 46 verse 10. Be still, be quiet before God and allow God to come in and reflect on Psalm 139, the, the last two verses of that psalm as well. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any impure way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. Ask God to search your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind step two, anything that is unresolved in your heart. And this may be an attitude, pride, sinful thoughts, lust, and so on. This is a personal exercise between you and God. Be still. Ask God to examine you. Step three, ask the Holy Spirit to bring clarity to your thinking about people you may be at odds with or people that may be at odds with you. This is your personal exercise between you and others. I refer you to Romans chapter 9 verse 1 and Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 to 24. Sorry, in sec my second point I should have referred you as well to Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through to 21. And then step four, go to that person and make peace with them. Forgive and receive forgiveness. Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 through to 24 again. Why? Because the table is a place of connection. The table is a place of love. The table is a place of acceptance. The table is a place of grace. The table is a place where our voice can be heard where we each have a place at the table. And so I want to challenge you with these words today, church. If we are serious about entering into a new season with God, if we're serious about that, then we need to understand that what God calls us to, there's always a cost to. When God calls us, there's a cost. But also when God calls us, he equips us to do the thing that he has asked us to do and as we enter into a new season as a church there will be a cost believe me there will be a cost and we need to be ready to count the cost and to pay the price but the only way we can move forward is by first taking that step of washing those nets that's the first step there are all sorts of things we could be doing just now as a church even in lockdown but the first step is to get ourselves right before God and to repent and to change our mind and to turn our way around and to allow God, the Holy Spirit, to transform us through the renewing of our minds. That's my challenge to church today. I hope today has been both encouraging, helpful, uh, uplifting 
And I just want to, to close by praying uh, today. Father, we thank you for each and every person who calls Whitburn Pentecostal Church home. Father, those who are maybe joining us from another church or no church. And Father, we just pray that you'd help each one of us to consider our ways, to consider our relationship with you and to consider our relationship with one another. Father, just as we reflect in Jesus' words, to do to other people what we would have them do to us. Father, to love God and to love our neighbour as ourselves. And Father, we just pray that you would come and that you would enable each one of us to be what you have called us to be. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. You know, normally at the end of a service, I would invite people, if they've never invited Jesus into their lives, to do that. And do you know what? I'm going to do the same again this week. Because there may be people watching this who've never invited Jesus into their life. You know, you may have done some horrendous things in your life. You may have lived a good life. And you think, well, I'm not too bad, actually. But the reality is that we're all sinners and we all need a saviour. And if we want to enjoy that eternal security and relationship with God, you know, when, when this life ends, when the, the material part ends and the spiritual part goes on, and we want to be in God's presence. We don't want to be in a place of separation from God. The Bible calls it hell. We don't want to be in that place. We want to be with God and the way to do that is to take that step of faith and to follow him, to invite him into our lives. And it really is as simple as making that prayer and then taking the next steps after that. And so I'm going to pray a prayer and you can pray this yourself after me, whether it's out loud, uh, sitting in your living room or wherever you're watching this, or whether you just say it into your heart, then you pray this prayer after me and we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit into, into lives today. So let's just pray for one last, uh, one last moment. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he showed us a different way. A way to love. And I recognise that I have not always lived that way. There are things which I've done which are wrong. But I ask that you forgive me. I ask that you come into my heart to make me clean, to give me a fresh start and to guide me into your plan and future for my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer, let us know. Go over to whitburnpentecostal.com. You'll be able to communicate with us uh, through the contacts page there leave a comment private message through facebook whatever it is just let us know that you've done that and we want to just maybe send you out some uh, resources to help you uh, with the next step on this journey the lord bless you and i just pray that everyone has a fantastic week and uh, that we see some significant changes uh, as we uh, go on in this whole experience together remember we're in this together church we are in this together and so the lord bless you amen